I'm not Bob, and you heard um, Aaron pray for him earlier. Bob's dad was sick in South Carolina. He had contracted the coronavirus, and he died because his body just couldn't fight the virus off, and we are all very, very sad for Bob. We're sad for Bob's dad's wife, Phyllis. We're sad for Isabella because her grandfather's gone. We're just sad. There's just a lot of grief that's surrounding us right now, and it's okay for us to say that. It's okay to say we're hurting and we're tired. Thank you for the song that you led us in, um, team, and that helped us welcome God's spirit here among us. Fill us, fill this space. Let us feel you close to us today, God. Today, we are beginning a series from the Gospel of Matthew. We're following the revised common lectionary for this series of sermons that Bob envisioned when he went on his sermon planning retreat several months ago. And this series looks at different aspects of Jesus as a leader and a minister. When we're learning about the Bible with children, here at Huguenot Road, we make a simple distinction between the Old Testament and the New Testaments by saying the Old Testament is before Jesus was born and the New Testament is after Jesus is born. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, so if you're reading the Bible in book order, it's the first place that you would read about Jesus the person. Strangely, though, Matthew is probably not the first gospel book written. The books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are part of what's called the synoptic gospels. They contain together a synopsis of the life and ministry of Jesus. Mark is actually probably the original body of work that captured most of what we now read, and Matthew and Luke likely used that writing as a basis for their own written picture of what Jesus looked like and how Jesus lived among them. And just like us, those different writers were all different from each other. Their writing styles are different. Their perspectives of each story are different. Their attention to detail and timing and placement are different. But together, they give us a whole picture of Jesus as he lived and worked and ministered. The story that we'll read today is a familiar one. The story appears in all four Gospels, which is unusual for something to appear in all four. Not even the birth narrative appears in all four Gospels. This telling in Matthew is probably the shortest, and it's set just after the death of John the Baptist, which is a different placement that it is than it is in the other Gospels. When we read this, remember to hear it as it's written here. There are different details here than in other places and in other Gospels. So as you're listening and reading on the screen, listen and read for what is different and what is offered to us here in this text without adding what you know from the other places. This is from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. In my Bible, the header says, Jesus feeds the 5,000. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And what he had heard happened was that John the Baptist had been killed. Hearing of Jesus being in the solitary place, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place 
and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides the women and children who were there. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. What does it mean to be equipped? A dictionary definition of equip is supply with the necessary items for a particular purpose or prepare someone mentally for a particular situation or task. I grew up hearing this churchy phrase, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. There are several stories in the Bible that probably led someone to coin this catchy little phrase, like the story of Moses leading the Israelites, even when he told God he didn't feel qualified, and then God provided Aaron as help to him, and pillars of fire and clouds as an ancient GPS system. Or the story of Noah, who was definitely not a shipbuilder, but then God provided plans for the boat and the animals and companions for his journey. They were equipped to do what God had called them to do. In a contemporary context, not very churchy and not very Bible, we can think of several mundane examples of equipping. Things like teaching your kids how to use the potty. You give them what they need for the next. You get them the little potty or the little potty seat or maybe both, and you get them big boy or big girl underwear and you spend hours a day running back and forth and back and forth to said little potty. And in this process, they're equipped to take care of their own needs as they grow up. You're not doing it for them because you can't, but you're teaching them how to do it for themselves. We do the same things when we are equipping young drivers. You go and you get the driver book, you help them study, and you help them get to take the test, And then when they have their permit, you take them out on the road, or in my case, in the church parking lot, for 45 hours of driving and parking practice. We didn't spend 45 hours in the parking lot, by the way. We just spent a lot of time there doing parking practice. And in this process, they're equipped to be a driver. You can't be a driver for them. I mean, you could drive them around for the rest of their lives, but you don't want to do that. You want them to be independent and do it on their own. You've equipped them to be a driver. We do that kind of equipping here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church. We want boys and girls to learn to grow up to be leaders in their church. And so we teach them how to do that. We let them have opportunities along the way. We help our students do that. We help our adults do that. Sometimes the equipping is intentional and purposeful, and sometimes it's secondhand or incidental. But equipping happens all the time. We all are products of intentional equipping, like driver training and learning math at school. 
but we are all also products of incidental equipping. How many of us as adults hear our parents' words coming out of our mouths when we're stressed or have our buttons pushed? Anybody else? That's an example of incidental equipping. And it happens when you're in close proximity for an extended period of time. It rubs off on you, for using another term. Jesus was intentional about equipping the disciples, but much of what was learned by them was through just being close to Jesus as life unfolded around them. Jesus recognized the value of teaching his followers how to live a life that reflected God present, God in the everyday, God come close to those who needed God to come close. And the things that Jesus, mo Jesus modeled and taught were not for the purpose of one-off, one-hit wonders. He lived a life of being God here on earth every single day. And this story <clears throat> is just a little snapshot of that. Matthew tells us in verse 13 that when Jesus heard what happened to John the Baptist, he went to a quiet place. Sometimes when you're hurting, you just need to get away by yourself and rest and grieve. But the crowds heard where Jesus was and they were compelled to follow him because they knew what he had been doing. Instead of running away from them or speaking harshly to them or sending them away, Matthew tells us that Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus was showing his disciples what it looks like to give godly care to those who needed it right where they were. He already knew that they were hungry for more than just food. They brought those who were sick so that Jesus could heal them. And they brought their own hungry spirits, wanting to see some glimpse of what they'd heard about this Jesus and his teachings and his miracles. His gentle, compassionate response was, again, equipping the disciples for the next. In effect, Jesus was helping the disciples through a sort of a process he had lived in front of them and now presented an opportunity for them to practice what they'd been learning, kind of like taking the training wheels off. In this instance, we can see a loose process that's helpful and instructive for us as well. Jesus assessed the need. He saw that the people who were there needed help, body, mind, and spirit. He assessed the available resources. God has all things at God's disposal. And then Jesus acted. He gave them what they needed, healing of body and spirit. And as Jesus was healing and teaching, the disciples appeared to express concern for the hunger that the people were likely feeling. They were assessing the need, and they wanted to send the people away to find food as a way to fill that need. Jesus' response puts the ball back in their court, though. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. I suspect Jesus was talking about more than physical food here. You, you disciples, you know what and how to feed them what they really need. Be about that. But the disciples replied with, well, we only have a little bit of food. We just have five loaves of bread and two fish. They had sort of assessed the available resources and found them to be, in their opinion, lacking. 
Then Jesus, well, Jesus being Jesus, God with skin and bones, said, bring me the food and let's feed these people. Even though the disciples spent every day with Jesus, they still had trouble recognizing the available resource that was and is the power of the living God right there in their midst. Friends, I think I find myself in their same place many, if not most, days. And if you're honest, I think you do too. There are lessons here for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves in this story. And you've heard me say that the Bible is the story of God and God's people. And the stories are there so that we can learn from them, so that we can see ourselves in them, learn what we should do and how we could do better, how we do the next. And in this story, we see the crowd who came seeking something, even if they didn't know what they were looking for. This in itself was introductory equipping. Jesus showed them how to love fully, compassionately, even when you're tired, even when your heart is hurting. They had needs he could fill, and he did. The disciples had been traveling with Jesus, learning as they went. Here was an opportunity to practice what they'd been learning, but while they were able to realize the need of the crowd, they weren't quite as able to see that they still had needs as well. They looked at the physical resources that they had, and they saw them as a glass half-empty kind of scenario. They completely missed the spiritual resource right in front of them, and their immediate response was reliance on self and not on God among us. Does that sound familiar to anyone? And even in their short-sighted missteps, Jesus used those disciples to do a miracle Jesus gave thanks, he broke the bread, and then he gives it to the disciples. And it's the disciples who feed the people in the end. The disciples are the people, are who the people saw, handing them what they needed to fill their bellies. They saw the disciples meeting their needs. Jesus equipped the disciples to do what needed to be done. He didn't do it for them. You know what? We are disciples, friends. We are those who Jesus has called to follow. We are those who have been taught and walked beside and invited to care for those who need it. We have sat at Jesus' feet in Bible study and in worship. We have been equipped with what we need to do our job. Now it's our turn to do something. So what do you do? Where do you find yourselves as individuals, as small groups like Bible study groups, or even a small group like a family? Where do you find yourself and where do we find ourselves as a larger group like this church called Huguenot Road Baptist Church? Where do we find ourselves as a really big group like all of those people in the world who follow Jesus? All of us around the world who claim the name Christian, 
little Christ. You may find that you are still one of the crowd, someone who's just starting to come and listen and learn from this Jesus. And that's more than okay, because we all start as part of that crowd. What needs do you see in yourself, physically and mentally and spiritually? Where and how will you let those needs be met? Will you let yourself be vulnerable? Will you let your heart and mind be soft enough to be shaped by this Jesus through your time and experiences with him? Will you let your mind and your heart be soft enough to be shaped by the Bible and by God's people here and by Christian spiritual leaders who surround you? Once you find your own needs are met by Jesus and his followers, then what's next? Do you or will you still choose to learn and be shaped into a person who will act on your new skills and knowledge? People get informed about and trained to do all sorts of things and then choose to do nothing about or with it. Have you ever known anybody like that? They went and got special training and then they didn't do anything with it? Some people learn for learning's sake. I think that as Christians, we're called to learn and then equip and then do. Will you be the person who willingly accepts the equipping that you're offered and then you do something with it? You may find that you are one of the disciples, one of Jesus' disciples, who's been following Jesus for a long time. What now? The equipping doesn't stop. You've seen and you've heard and you've learned a lot up to now, but are you willing to learn and see and do more? What needs do you see around you? What do you see here in these walls at Huguenot Road? What needs do you see that you can fill with what you've learned? What resources do you have to meet those needs? What action will you take? There are children who need teachers. There are adults who need Bible study leaders. There are students who need teachers and leaders who will walk beside them. Teams need leaders. Events need planners and helpers. Mission activities need hands and bodies and dollars. What needs do you see outside these walls that need what you've been equipped with? As Christians, we are equipped to not just stay inside these walls. We are equipped to live a life outside these walls and make Jesus present God present in the world outside these walls. What resources do you have to meet those needs? What action will you take? Our black and brown friends need your compassion and your presence and your words and your support. Schools like Reams Road and A.M. Davis and J.B. Fisher and Thompson Middle and Huguenot High need that same kind of compassion and presence. There are hungry people who need to eat. There are people without a roof over their head. There are people who need someone to talk to. They need someone to listen to them. 
There are people who need Jesus, God with skin and bones, Jesus in and through us. You've got your equipment, you've been equipped, so what will you do with it? What will you do with it?